Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Sports Finder community, we're back with our regular segment where we speak to great people from the world of sport. And today it is absolutely no different. I have Mr. Daniel Solomon with me on the show. Daniel, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Ahmad. I appreciate it. No, it's my absolute pleasure, mate. Um, Daniel, if we go back to the times of when you were a young man at school, who was Daniel as a young man at school? Sure. Um, are you talking grade school? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think I was uh, outgoing, um, you know, love to, I, I went to two different elementary schools and I think at both, um, you know, one that was quick to try to, I think, work the room and, and meet new people and be open and, and build relationships. And I think uh, a, lo- a lot of that, um, you know, still carries over to, to our job today and where I am today. Very nice. Um, let's talk about that journey through school, moving into college. What was that like? I mean, how did you know where to go, how to go, what courses to choose? You, you know, it's that's a pretty tricky time in life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, part of how I think I ended up in the sports world is, uh, you know, I knew from a young age I wanted to work in sports and, um, you know, or, or at least have some involvement in sports. I think I learned pretty early on that I wasn't going to play sports. Um, so, you know, what, what was next and, and how, how did I figure that out? And I think uh, the movie Jerry Maguire made me think, OK, I want to be a sports agent. Um, when I realized what went into that and, and maybe what that looked like, I, I didn't know if that would be perfect. But pretty early on after that, I decided that being a sports broadcaster would actually be the next move. Um, and uh, many don't know this, but I actually started at Syracuse's Newhouse School for one semester. Um, it wasn't a perfect fit. Uh, I had a lot of friends um, still from high school. I felt like I needed to be a little bit closer to home at the time and ended up transferring actually to Penn State. Um, right after that, I had got into Penn State, um, you know, while I was in high school. So, um, you know, Syracuse obviously known for their broadcast journalism school. It made a lot of sense to start there, but um, I ended up happily at Penn State and, and you know, spent uh, the rest of my college, four, three and a half college years at Penn State and graduated there. Very nice. After graduation, um, what happened then? Sure. So the sports uh, piece was was obviously on my mind. Um, things were a little bit different then than, than they are now. I graduated, uh, I guess it was about 16 and a half years ago or so. So, you know, certain items like LinkedIn didn't exist. Um, quite honestly, the corporate partnership sponsorship business was a little bit different then than it is now. Um, I had the, the good fortune of having an internship while I was in college uh, here at Penn State uh, through Penn State Athletics, um, sort of on the marketing side and learned a little bit about the industry. Um, you know, my manager at the time was a gentleman named Carl Mawinney, who um, from that job uh, moved into corporate partnerships across the industry. Um, I guess, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, I was working in New York City. I was, I was actually in an advertising and media research role. And Carl now uh, had a job in New York with ISP Sports. And ISP Sports is, you know, sort of a predecessor to IMG College. 
um, which you know now is obviously part of Learfield. And Carl was working with the Big East, and uh, I had an opportunity uh, for a couple of years in a row to work with Carl and um, his manager, Jim Prendergast, uh, with ISP and with the Big East during the tournament. So I worked my full-time job during the day. I worked the Big East tournament at night. Um, had an opportunity to meet a lot of people within the industry then, and and you know knew that you know that combined with the time that I spent as an intern in college, um, that that was definitely in my eyes going to be the part of the industry that you know I was interested in and wanted to land in. Wow. Um, and how did you get to where you, you currently are today? Sure. Um, great question. So, you know, it's it's not as easy as snapping your fingers. Um, you know, while while that, that first taste with the Big East was great, um, it was still tough to, to land a full-time job in sports. At that point, I think I had, you know, between the years I was there, between four and six years of full-time experience, but probably the only way I, I could go back and, and work in sports was, you know, maybe if I started from the bottom or, or you know, received some kind of pay cut. And, um, you know, I was starting to excel a little bit in the sales world in my, in my, previ in my previous role, the role I had at the time. Um, and I didn't know if I was willing to accept that. I, I knew I wanted to work in sports, but I wasn't exactly sure how to get from point A to point B. So what I decided was actually going back to graduate school would, would kind of be the difference maker. And uh, I lived in New York at the time, like I said, so went to NYU and uh, it was a great experience at NYU. Um, I was able to have on my resume a sports management degree. And um, you know, my primary goal while at grad school was to network. Um, I was in, at grad school from 2012 to 2014. So, you know, like I said, back in 2004, um, a lot of those opportunities weren't available from a, from a LinkedIn, social media, um, you know, even, even just networking at events and, and how to stay in touch. Email, you know, quite honestly, was in a way sort of newer back then, especially for, for students and, and people my age. So by the time 2012, 2014 hit, um, you know, obviously things had changed significantly. We're closer to where we are now. And um, I used that time in graduate school to just network, 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 and, um, you know, wanted to meet people in the industry. I stayed in touch with folks from ISP that were now with IMG and um, met folks at Learfield as well. And um, that kind of led me to my first offer, which was um, with uh, Florida Gator Sports Properties uh, and IMG College. Wow. So from the, from the Florida Gators, you moved over to Penn State? Yes, yes. Uh, I was with the Gators for two football seasons. Um, and then there was an opening with Penn State, which, you know, being that I was an alum and um, my family was close, my wife's family was close, it made a lot of sense to, you know, consider that opportunity and come back and work for Penn State. You mentioned in, in your early years, you um, were working with the, with the Big East at night and working during the day and, you know, making several sacrifices. During that time, I mean, what 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 drove you to do so? Is there is it something in particular that somebody had told you? Is it something that you had seen? It was it pure hunger? What was like? That's that's very very tough. Yeah, you know, and and you know, I, I think I think more than anything, it was it was definitely a hunger that existed. Um, you know, I knew that. Uh, you know, I I probably. I don't know if it was a mistake, but I, but I certainly at 22 or 23 years old probably should have taken the opportunity to, you know, consider uh, a job like that um, at a full-time basis. And because I did, and I knew I was a couple of years behind the curve and I probably had to do things that, you know, were a little bit different and, and, and outside the box from the norm. Um, part of it was 
was that. I think the second piece to that was the graduate school piece. Um, and, and those kinds of things, I, I think, um, quite honestly, I loved every minute of it. I loved, even if I had to work full-time during the day and go there at night, um, I happened to work the tournament where the uh, the, the UConn-Syracuse, uh, I think it was six overtime game was. Um, so I didn't get back to, um, you know, my, my home that evening until, man, it was like 1.32 and I turned around and worked the next day full-time. And not for a second did I complain or, 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 or you know, or was upset about any of that. Um, same thing goes for, you know, going back to grad school at, you know, an older age like I did. Um, you know, I, all of which I knew that hopefully I'd land in the sports industry and it would help me out long term. And, you know, those kinds of things, uh, you know, were certainly difference makers in getting me to where I am today. What's the biggest lesson that that journey taught you? What'd you say? What's the biggest lesson that you learned from that journey? Yeah, um, yeah, I would just say that, um, you know, if you have if you have a dream, if you have something that you're passionate about, um, you know, just keep striving for it and, and, and keep working hard to do it and always have certain goals in mind. I think that's helped me a lot in my sales career as well. Um, you know, those goals in mind, I mean, it was, it was finding ways to get into the sports industry, but, but, but how to do it specifically, right? So, you know, those two things that we talked about, you know, working at night and then working uh, and then going to grad school were, were I guess, the, the first part of those goals. But, you know, within those goals, I had kind of secondary goals, which was, you know, to network and, and to meet people and to stay in touch with people. And, um, you know, I'll go back to the example I gave before. You know, it was hard to stay in touch with people in 2003, 2004. By the time, you know, even a couple of years later came, um, it was a lot easier to, you know, email, text, um, even call people's cell phones. I, ironically, people, a lot of people didn't carry cell phones in, in the early part of that decade yet. So, you know, it was a lot easier to, to do some of those things um, by that time than it, than it was prior. And those were kind of my secondary goals. And I never really strayed away from that and, you know, made sure that all the way through grad school, I was going to stay in touch with a lot of those people and, and keep those relationships strong. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially in those early days, the technology wasn't as ripe as what it is now. So now everybody's so connected before people were very di disconnected. So exactly. um, what's the biggest change you've noticed throughout, throughout your journey from the time you started till now? Um, the biggest change within the industry or just uh, my working career? No, the uh, industry itself. Yeah, the industry, um, I would say um, social media is probably number one. Um, it's funny. I think I first sold partnerships for the Florida Gators in 2014 and social media was, was, was already big. Um, you know, mo most of the, of the uh, platforms that exist today existed then, or at least the major ones. Um, but, you know, I think from a uh, monetization standpoint and, and working with corporate partners, um, it, it certainly looked a little bit different and it's it's kind of crazy to think back that it's only five, six years ago, but, um, you know, it was definitely secondary at the time um, and, it, and it wasn't even in in our minds first and it, and in, and it certainly wasn't in, in many of our partners' minds first, um, but over time that slowly developed and, you know, I think it took uh, certainly an education standpoint from a lot of sellers to, to start to sell that and to start to think about that, but um, even more so, um, it became, you know, part of our common vernacular, even with speaking with partners, um, it became a lot of their goals. And when they wanted to reach specific demographics or specific audiences, um, you know, we had to get used to, to that language and, and you know, work with them on, on some of that. So 
social media has grown. Um, I would say there's rarely a, a proposal that I have now where social media is not included. Um, you know, it's so big and, and particularly during these times, um, you know, it's been a great way for our partners to connect with, you know, our fan base and our alumni um, and, and, you know, has, has sort of served, served as, a, as a great solution to stay engaged as well. So, you know, it's one of those things that, um, you know, back then, not as big, but now, you know, it's, it's one of the first things that we'll, we'll discuss with a lot of people. So it was really the disruption of social media that you, that you guys experienced over the years that's impacted your industry most. Um, I think so. We, we look at the times we live in now, everything is so digital and everything is so convenient and everything is so easy. Uh, your customers, I'm sure, all big clients who have businesses and they're always looking for different ways on how they can find a, uh, a, an, an avenue into, into the world of their consumer or customer. What are you guys seeing like in terms of the trends and the changes? Are you guys seeing much change in the behavior of that, of, of that customer and how you guys are getting, getting that customer for, for your client? Yeah, so you know, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, you know, just everything, right? So everything that you know, with with health, but in the sports industry as well. I mean, as as you know, things um, for the most part shut down for you know the better part of three or four months until you know June or July they started to pick back up a little bit. Um, you know, and it was no different in our world. Um, you know, during that time, and and you know, virtually the whole country and our world was was sort of shut down. Of course, spending was down. Um, you know, a lot of partners were pulling back and, and that's just not in, in our industry, but, you know, that's on, you know, television and, and sports marketing that occurred there as well. Um, you know, I think some of the fear was, you know, when will sports sports start back up? Um, what does the future look like? Um, a, a lot of, there's still a lot of unknown with the virus, but I think that sports is certainly proving that it can work and it can work successfully. Um, you know, there, there's a couple hiccups here and there, but overall, um, you know, I think college football and, and particularly um, a lot of the pro sports that have started have done a great job with, you know, how that's looked so far. And, um, you know, our brands, most importantly, have figured out ways to keep fans engaged and excited. And, you know, our fans are ready to interact with our brand regularly. And, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of positive, um, you know, results with some of the things that have already gone out there with our fan base. They're very excited. Uh, we kick off uh, pretty shortly um, after we're recording this, uh, two weeks after this recording. And, you know, fans are, are very excited to, um, you know, start to engage with our brand even more. And, you know, I think as far as uh, trends and patterns go, um, you know, while there was, you know, certainly unknown, like I said, a couple months ago, um, you know, now I think that, um, you know, we're, we're finding very quickly that we have a lot of fantastic and loyal partners that want to connect to our brand no matter what. Um, and, and they're going to keep connecting with them this year, even in a, a little bit different year, um, and certainly in future years as well. And, I think our fans will remember that certainly, um, and they're gonna they're gonna know who sticks with you know Penn State and or any other brand in the industry because, you know it, it's it's important to show that loyalty during these times and and we've seen great examples of it in the industry and um, you know people are people are gonna remember that. Absolutely, um, these are the times where the the real ones stick around and those that were just around for the journey you find they disappear. 
Daniel, you, you've been around for a, a while now. You've experienced a lot. You've gone through a lot. If you were to give a young person who's trying to build a, a career in sport three pieces of advice, what would that be? Sure. So um, the first piece of advice, um, you know, I'll, I'll harken back to what I said before about networking. Um, you know, network, network, network. I mean, it's it's there's never a, a wrong time to do that. Um, you know, students or young professionals have more of an opportunity to do that now, more now than ever. Um, don't be shy about it. Um, my advice kind of around that is uh, try to schedule phone calls with, with folks in the industry. Um, if you can, you know, sort of start to build your Rolodex up a little bit and have one or two calls a week, um, stay in touch with those folks, maybe follow back up with them a couple months later before long, you know, you'll have a number of contacts in the industry. And, and um, I know people like myself are always open and interested in helping people like that. I think back to pre-grad school and, and while I was in grad school, um, it was important to me. I remember the people that helped me through a lot of that and, and I'll always, uh, you know, be willing to serve the same way. Um, so that's number one, um, just continue to network and build that Rolodex. Um, number two, I would say really learn about the industry. Um, you know, it's tough. We, we learn a lot of lessons growing up. We learn a lot, um, you know, in school growing up. But one of the things that I always find that, you know, it's tough to, to, to learn is, you know, specific parts of different jobs around, around the world. And sports is no different. This industry is no different. Um, you know, what I do is, is totally different than what someone in ticket sales does. And, you know, what someone in, you know, the front office of a professional sports team does, or, or even, you know, you know, within an athletic department, um, high school or college, you know, power five school or mid-major school, it's all totally different in so many ways. Um, you know, budgets are different in, in every aspect, uh, whether you work for, you know, a, a company or, uh, you know, an ownership group or, you know, whatever it is, it, it's different. And there's so many different jobs in the sports industry that I think um, it's very important to learn the ins and out. Um, it's amazing how many young folks you can talk to in the industry that, you know, really don't know the differences between that. So I think asking a lot of questions in those in those different networking calls and, and maybe, um, you know, listening to podcasts like this and um, there's, so, there's so many opportunities to do things like that now where you can learn the different parts of the industry. So that's important. Um, and I would say uh, for a seller, um, you know, one thing I, I actually read this the, the other day, and it's, it's a great analogy. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, is, is put better into words. Uh, I would probably use this as a lesson, but it's put better into words with this analogy. But essentially, um, you know, a lot of good baseball players um, can get a hit three out of 10 times. Um, three times they get the hit themselves. Three times, um, it, you know, the defense takes care of it and it's, it's an out. And then maybe three times the call goes to the umpire. Um, but that, that's nine out of 10 right there. And, and you know, three out of 10 are hits. Um, the difference between a good hitter with three out of 10 and a great hitter with four out of 10 is what you can do in that 10th at bat. And if, if three are gonna be taken away by the defense and three are gonna be taken away by the umpire, what can you do in that 10th at bat to make the difference and become a, a 400 hitter, which is which is truly the difference between good and great or, or even good and a Hall of Famer. And, um, you know, that difference of that 10th at bat is is kind of what should motivate you um, as a seller. It should be what motivates you to get into this industry. It should be motivate you as a, as a young professional. Um, but you know, that's a that's a that's a real interesting thing if you kind of think about it. And and you know, set out a goal to, to make a difference in that 10th of bat. And if you can make a difference in that 10th of bat, you can certainly be a game changer in this industry.
Absolutely. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. It's a ton of insightful advice that, you know, should definitely be taken on board and put into action. It's amazing, though. I can almost guarantee you every single guest has mentioned network. It's, it just doesn't, it just doesn't get old. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how, how important it is in the, in the, in the early years of college, especially where people are, are, they need to develop a network to help them get through for, for the, for the rest of their life. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, Daniel, thank you very much. You've been amazing. You've shared a ton of insight with us. We uh, thank you for taking the time to share this insight with us. Before you let us go, where can people get in touch with you online? Sure. Um, you know, I'd be I'd be lying if I if I if I didn't uh, you know offer up the same advice or, or willingness to help as I said earlier. So I absolutely encourage people to look me up on LinkedIn. Um, Daniel Solomon, and uh, feel free to, um, you know, request me as a friend, feel free to, you know, ask for any advice that you have, um, leave a message, or even schedule a call with me. I'm always happy to help. Um, like I said, I, I wanted that same help from people um, a number of years ago. I still want it from people within the industry, so I'm always willing to, to help as well. So, you know, feel free to look me up and follow me. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Daniel Solomon, thank you very much for joining me on the Sports Finder podcast. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?